going on with this Arkansas Ridgeback football team? Let's talk about that today in episode 44 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast here from the Home Field Studio, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. Episode 44 is brought to you by Homefield, home of premium vintage college apparel. So go check it out today, and you can use promo code Variety Sports in all caps to receive 15% off that first order. Go check them out. They've got a lot of great hog stuff, ranging from basketball, football, baseball. they got a fantastic baseball quarter zip that has the classic Old English A, red, fantastic. You know, would love to get that at some point in the future. So go check them out today. Fantastic stuff. And again, that's Variety Sports in all caps. Thanks to Variety Sports Network. So go check them out today and get that 15% off your first order. And so we'll dive in here. And this is, I always hate weeks like this where we have to talk about a loss. You know, as much as we want to be high on the hogs as we can, you know, this is the reality of being a hogs fan. You're going to lose some like this one in this case that you're favored by eight, nine in this game and you drop it. And so Arkansas failed to BYU this past weekend, 38 to 31. And what was a really interesting game, you know, Arkansas started out hot in this game, scoring two quick touchdowns right off the bat. And, you know, you really think, okay, we're rolling. We're going to cruise through this one. But that definitely wasn't the case here for the Hogs. It's, you know, it was a struggle up and down, you know, with different pieces of the game, offensive line, finding running room, receivers, not necessarily being able to get some separation, dropping some balls, things of that nature. And so with that, we'll jump into the stats here. And if you look at it, K.J. Jefferson finished 24 of 35 in this game for a 68.5% completion percentage for 247 yards, one touchdown, and his first interception of the season. He also had 13 carries for 21 yards, averaging 1.6 yards per carry, so not fantastic either. He also had a couple fumbles in this game, so you know, not – not your typical KJ and what you're used to seeing out of him. Is there anything out of this game, you know, specific with KJ that really stood out to you? Uh, realistically, man, I actually thought KJ played pretty well, um, considering the pressure he was under to play in and play out. I, I think that was the the highlight of the game to me. Is I mean, he was he was having about a second a second and a half back there before he had somebody in the grill or was getting flushed out of the pocket, which that makes any quarterback's life hard. Um, so. You know, that, that was kind of the first thing that stood out to me was just the offensive line didn't give him the protection he needed. And realistically, they, they didn't give him the protection that they had the first two games. Um, I think you started to see a team that had a little bit more talent on that defensive line and some of their linebackers were a little bit quicker. Um, and then we just – we still just don't look like we've gelled as a unit on the offensive line, whether it's in run blocking or pass protection. And I think that was the main um, – glaring problem in this game and it kind of cascaded down and and created problems in other facets obviously KJ kind of having to rush through his first pick wasn't really a a horrible throw I think he, he just kind of short on it a little bit I think he needed a little bit more arch on it might have got it over the linebacker that was able to jump up um so the, the receiver that was behind the linebacker you know another 10 yards back there was actually open so he read the play well he just the the throw was just a little bit off target but um it, I, I, other than that, I thought KJ played pretty well considering the duress he was under the majority of the game. Yeah, I, I think if I remember exactly on that that pick that he threw, you know, I think he's actually in the process of getting hit. So he kind of, you know, as he was getting hit, had to release the ball earlier than he wanted to, which probably resulted in, like you said, him short arming that throw and getting the pick. But, you know, I've got some interesting things we'll talk about here in a little bit after we get it through some of these stats. Um, we jump over to rushing, our rushing stats for the day. You know, Rocket Sanders, again, didn't play this game. 
you know, as we we're trying to get him back from injury. So you had A.J. Green get the most carries in this game. Or actually, he was second in carries but had more yards in this game with nine carries for 86 yards where he also had two touchdowns. Average 9.6 yards per carry. But that is a little um, different to look at just because you got to consider he had one carry for 55 yards and then the other eight were for 31 yards, which actually is 3.8 yards per carry, which is not as good as what you would like to see out of a guy that should be stepping up and being, you know, a number one while Rockets out. He had also one reception for seven yards. Rashad Dominion actually led this team in carries this game with 13, but only managed to get 47 yards out of those carries, averaging 3.6 yards per carry. He also had one reception for seven yards. And then Dominic Johnson, two carries for 17 yards, seven yards per carry. He had one reception for negative two yards. He had a great carry where he cut back in reverse field that looked really good. But, you know, I think the overall arching thing when you look at these stats, besides that one play A.J. Green had in the game where we really just caught them off guard, was we're still not getting the blocking that we need for to have a dominant rushing attack like we did last year. And I think that's, like you said, a glaring thing that really, as a Sam Pittman team, as a team that – has running back depth, we shouldn't be struggling. And I think that shows you that there's something going on that just isn't right for this team to have success in the running game right now. Yeah, if you go and, and watch some of the highlights of this game, the the breakout run that, that A.J. did have for 55 yards, the, the one thing you notice is you see some linemen up in the secondary picking up blocks on linebackers, blocking a safety. Um, for him to be able to kind of get the outside edge and run down the sideline at 55 yards for the touchdown. So that's that's what you kind of expect out of the offensive line, be able to, you know, get off their block once once they form a hole, especially if you're, you know, pulling your center around to the right-hand side or something like that, kind of how that play went. That play was executed really well. You go and watch that, and that's kind of one of those highlights. It's like, okay, guys, this is exactly what we're, we're supposed to be doing. When you don't do this, the running backs don't have anywhere to go, you know, so – that's why you're seeing these averages around three yards of carry. Um, sometimes even a little bit less. Just kind of depends. Obviously, AJ AJ had a great game. On his nine carries, he was he was obviously productive. The two touchdowns, the one the one breakout run where the line really did block well, tight ends blocked well, everybody blocked well that play, and it made a difference. But um, I, I like at the end of the day, that's just kind of what you got to go back to every time you, you see these runs that you just get snuffed out where they maybe get one if they're lucky, or you'll see a running back make a great play just to pick up the one run because they got hit in the backfield and they shed two tackles just to get back to the line of scrimmage or maybe gain a yard or two. And it's like, man, they just had a tremendous play to only gain one yard. So it, it makes their stats not not really what they should be, you know, because some of those guys really were playing their, their butt off. Yeah, I, I think it's just one of those things where everybody is really like looking at it. Like when you've got a coach in Sam Pittman that he's known to be a great offensive line coach and we're having those struggles, like it just doesn't make sense in a term of, you know, what's going on. And we'll dive into that here in a little bit, but we jump over to our receiving stats. Not a terrible game receiving and throwing, being able to throw the ball. So you have Andrew Armstrong leading in targets with nine receptions for 98 yards. So almost hit that century mark there. You had Luke Haas, which I really think this was a good breakout game for him. He looked really good in this game with four receptions for 78 yards, and he got his first collegiate touchdown in this game. And what was a great route and catching the end zone for, you know, a 
I think I believe it's like a 19 yard touchdown pass from KJ. Looked really good in this. I think he's he's starting to pick up the college game more and being able to contribute more. You have Isaac Tesla, four receptions for 26 yards. He did not def, definitely did not get the ball in his hands enough this game. And then you had Jaden Wilson for two receptions for 16 yards. So, you know, you have some goods and bads with this receiving core. You know, you see guys like Luke Haas starting to step up. You know, a lot of receptions going to Armstrong, clearly KJ's favorite target so far this season. And then Isaac Tesla with four receptions, which, you know, he's a dynamic playmaker. I think you've got to get the ball in his hands and, you know, let him do what he does best, making plays, getting those first downs. So, you know, when you look at our passing and, slash receiving attack what do you think there well I think this was a game where you could tell KJ was trying to just get the ball to his most reliable guy and in his mind I think that's Andrew Armstrong obviously um so you know those plays were you know trying to get the ball out fast and you're just trying to trust in the receiver that you're throwing to I think Armstrong has solidified that spot as kind of his guy that he's just even if the route's not really open he's going to try to force it in there just because he trusts him and he ain't got time to really read the field um so I think that's why you saw it an uptick in Armstrong's production this game, even more so than the previous two games, which he's already had a good year. Um, but then Luke Haas, I thought really, like you said, kind of got things clicking. He had a couple good clutch first down catches where he was able to find some soft spots in the the defensive zone of BYU. So he's, he's understanding the game. I mean, he already had a great mind coming in. You could tell. Um, but he's really kind of hitting his rhythm, being able to uh, kind of show his numbers to the quarterback whenever Cage's having to extend a play with his legs or something like that. And that's what you want out of your tight end, then be able to recognize that. That's why you have guys in the NFL that are so good with their quarterbacks. You think of like Travis Kelsey, you know, Hawkinson, guys like that. They do a really good job kind of ad-libbing some plays when their quarterbacks are under duress. So I thought he did a great job kind of doing that same thing, especially later on in this game where he had a couple of clutch catches down the stretch. But Anyhow, I thought he, he played really well. And then, you know, to your point, I think Isaac Tesla had some opportunities to maybe get a little bit more involved in this. Just some of the throws weren't quite there. Just There were some really good sparks in this game that just never really could get the fire completely lit. I think kind of to your point earlier on, we, we scored so quickly on the first two. Yeah, there was a, a punt return. I ain't going to steal the thunder. But um, to get us up 14 nothing real quick, and I don't know if we just got overly confident from from that and just thought we were about to crush them or something and just kind of let them get back into it. But it was just a weird kind of turn of events the way this game went. And uh, I, I think there was some some missed opportunities where Isaac was open and KJ just couldn't get the ball to him just because he did not have the time. Yeah, that's fair. And then when you look over at our defensive side of the ball, not that our def- defense played terrible. I still think they have looked tremendously improved from last season. I mean, we allowed 38 points. You know, not fantastic, but I think this team is still learning this new scheme as well and what Travis Williams is wanting to do defensively. But I think they're definitely improved from last season. We've seen that. That goes into, you know, we had another forced fumble this game. Dwight McLaughlin came in with a big hit, forced the fumble re- you know, it was recovered by Hudson Clark, you know, a great turnover for this defense to continue to put pressure on the ball, on these these ball carries, these receivers of other teams. And again, when you look at top players on defense for this game, that same name is at the top of the list. Once again, Jaheim Thomas, nine total tackles, six solo tackles. He has been, you know, a fantastic player for Arkansas this season. And then right behind him, who else? other than Chris Paul Jr. with seven tackles of his own, three solo, one and a half tackles for loss. And then behind him, a guy that 
you know, I think he's starting to put it together with, you know, his new size and speed that he's been able to transform himself over the offseason is you got Landon Jackson. We talked about him all offseason about how he's expected to come in and have a big year. Well, third inning of the season, he's starting to really put stats on the page besides those intangibles. He had five total tackles, four solo, one and a half sacks and three and a half tackles for losses. So he's really getting in the backfield and getting these guys for sacks and for losses and hitting the ball carrier in the backfield. So I think we're starting to see him really take shape into what he could be this season. And then behind him, Tarrin Carter, four total tackles, one solo, a half a tackle for loss. So, you know, really good numbers from these defensive guys. So defensively, you know, what are, what are you thinking right now? Uh, kind of your point, you know, we we gave up 38 points, but it felt like our defense played well. It's kind of weird, you know what I mean? Uh, there was some, there was a few big plays they hit that I thought we had good coverage on. It was just a good catch by the receivers. Um, they had that big tight end, had a couple of big catches down the stretch to kind of put the game away for BYU on us. Um, and it, he played well, but uh, overall, I really did feel like our defense was able to get more pressure on Keaton Slovis. Then the last two games, you know, we, we've been able to get on quarterbacks. I, I thought we started strong. I We forced a three and out right at the beginning of the game, if I remember correctly. And I think everything is clicking on defense way better than we were last year. It just didn't translate into points not being on the board this game. I think a lot of that is because later in the game, we were going three and out over and over. We went forward on fourth down once at 50-yard line, we can talk about that play later, but didn't get it, so turned the ball over on downs, and they had a short field. So we kind of – our offense kind of set our defense up to fail later in this game, if that makes sense, and I'm not trying to point blame or anything like that, but I actually feel like our defense played well. It doesn't reflect in the score, but that's just my opinion on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, you know, not putting blame, but like you said, you know, if you're going three and out, you're not giving your defense time to rest. So they're having to come off the field. You get the ball back, go quick three and out. They're right back on the field, not getting time to rest. So they're they're not as fresh as, you know, if you have a long, you know, scoring drive where they get to time to rest, get rehydrated and ready to go. So that's BYU is getting more possessions. I mean, I think yeah. that was a lot of it. They had more possessions than they should have had over all because we couldn't control the clock well enough. And that, that really hurt us because at one point in the second half, we were up by 10 in this game. Yeah. And then when you jump over to our special teams where had some good plays in this game where, you know, we said it these past two weeks, not if, but when, and well, that win has came Isaiah Tanya. He had three kick returns for 49 yards, three punt returns for 95 yards and a touchdown where that big play, he broke an 88 yard punt return for a touchdown. You know, we all knew it was coming at some point. And, you know, as soon as he hit that edge, he was gone. He's got that quick speed. And so, I mean, I think you're seeing what he can do. You know, he's only a redshirt freshman, so, you know, he's only going to get better. One thing for me, when you look at him and the speed and what he's able to do, we haven't really seen him played at the wide receiver position hardly at all this season. So is it time you start shuffling him into that mix? I know that might be something, you know, guys aren't getting separation. He's got some speed, throw him out there, run him on a deep route, run him a quick slant, you know, something like that where he can use that ability, you know, to help benefit this team. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, he's been in on some plays, um, not just a ton. He's definitely not a huge target for KJ. I, I think that's probably why you're not seeing him on the field as much as, as him and KJ just don't have the chemistry yet. I don't, whatever the case may be for that, maybe they haven't taken enough reps together. I, I don't know. 
Um, I think there's got to be something kind of along those lines because the speed's there. I mean, there, there's no arguing that. Um, maybe maybe he's got some inconsistencies in his hands or honestly, he may need to be working on routes. Maybe he doesn't have his cleaner routes. He's always dependent on his speed to get open in high school and then you, you kind of transition that over to college ball and he's not getting open as well because his, his routes aren't as crisp or something. I, I don't know. I don't expect him to not be in outside of that kind of wide receiver consideration for long, though. I think he's one of those guys that will put in the work. He's already showing what kind of playmaking ability he has when the ball is in his hands. So I think to your point, you got to figure out ways to kind of get those improvements made to where you do implement him in the offense more. Get your playmakers out there. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. So I would expect to see him a little bit more involved kind of as the year goes on and he maybe improves in some areas. Yeah, that's true. And that brings us to the two points I really wanted to hit on here. First one, you 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 briefly touched on it a while ago. Fourth down play where we went forward on fourth and short. I think everybody's been asking a question. You know, you've got a guy like KJ. He's 6'4", 245. Why are we not lining up under under center and running a Philly special and, you know, having him fall forward and get that first down? You know, I just don't understand it. You line up in the shotgun and you're already putting yourself an additional two to three yards behind where that first down marker is at. And when you go back and look at that play, I feel like BYU really had it read the whole way. You saw, you know, we handed off to Rashad and, you know, he was quickly met at the line with a defender. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that situation? Well, my thought, honestly, it was we shouldn't have ran the ball, which that sounds weird, but everybody in the building knew we were going to run the ball on that play, whether it was going to be a QB sneak or a quarterback draw or a running back play. I think it was kind of like an ISO type play, but everybody in the building knew we were going to run the ball there. We've done it over and over and over. If you go watch game film from this year and last year, when we were in fourth and short, we ran the ball. And we, I mean, we got it some. We tried QB sneak some and got them some, but then didn't get them some. We weren't like Philadelphia and, and batting dang near a 1,000 on our QB sneaks. We had some that did not go well last year. So I don't I don't argue the call to not sneak it there. Um, I, I actually think running the ball there might have been the mistake since it was so expected. It's been our MO so often when we've been going for it on those fourth and short, third and short kind of type things. Everybody knows to look for that. And I, I really think probably could have had a little bit more success doing kind of a little bootleg play action, something like that, and then hit Luke Haas on a on a little flag route or somebody on a slant. I Pure conjecture, and I know those are harder plays to hit than than they sound like, but I think you would have caught everybody in the building off guard and had a lot more chance of success there. At the same time, our offensive line has got to generate more push. So you can think of that a couple different ways where, you know, obviously we, we ought to be able to go up against a team like BYU and get a yard. You know what I mean? You you Whether they know the run's coming or not, you want to have that confidence in your offensive line to be able to do that. Right, and I think that's – However – go, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, that, 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 that's to the point of, I think last year that was the case. You know, if you knew we were going to run it or not, you know, even if you did, we were still getting it. Our, our line was at this point in time, drastically better than it currently is last, you know, and so we could line rock it up or, you know, whether it be KJ with a draw play, even if they knew that was coming, they couldn't really stop it last year. And I think that has to do with, what over the weekend I was talking with some people, it has been maybe mentioned that 
with the exit of Browse, the the Enos coming in taking over, that this run game and the this Enos type of offense has shifted from a zone running style to a gap blocking style. So I don't know if that is has anything to do with how our offensive line is struggling with they're having to learn how to, I guess, in a sense, block a little bit differently than they have in the past. You know, that's something that was brought up that, you know, had some discussions about over the weekend. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I could actually see that being a little bit of the struggle. Um, however, when you're not able to get any push at all on the guy that you're going up against, we're, we're getting beat at the line of scrimmage just off the guy that's lined up right in front of them. Um, you know, even when defenses aren't running stunts or something like that, we're, we're, we're basically just not as strong as I think we thought we were, if that makes sense um, from the entire line standpoint. Um, I think our footwork's not as good as it should be. Some of that may be scheme related. Uh, I can definitely see that being an issue, but um, at some point, I think everybody's got to realize, you know, we're not, we're not as strong as maybe we thought we were just from an overall lower body strength standpoint where we're not able to body guys around like we kind of have been the last couple of years. Um, whatever the reasons behind that, I don't know. I really thought Ben Satters was doing a great job with strength and conditioning. You see it in some of these guys' workout videos. So I think there may be just some maybe mechanics involved also, but something's not quite meshing right between all those factors where we're getting pushed off the line backwards instead of us generating the push and, and pushing guys back into the linebackers and stuff to where you're making holes. The linebackers are able to hit the hole like the running back is, if that makes sense, because you're not you're not actually pushing your linemen back into the linebackers. Um, so that's that's been the biggest issue in my mind. Yeah. I know, you know, when you look at Coach Pittman's pressure after the game, you know, he'd mentioned some of these guys struggling with some hand issues as far as, you know, possibly be like injury type things. I don't know how much that's going to affect. I, you know, he said they were casted up pretty good, you know, taped up everything like that. You know, I know that's probably got to have some effect, but at what point when you're blocking a guy, you know, you, you still got to be able to, you know, do your job in a sense. And, you know, I don't know how much more shuffling around in a sense we're gonna have to do to figure out the right combination on this offensive line but I know one thing if we want this weekend to be a close game it's gonna have to happen this week or we're gonna it's just not gonna be a good game this weekend and we'll we'll preview that here in a little bit but you know that's one thing that it's got to fix get fixed sooner than later if we want to have any type of success in in conference play. I don't want to say salvage the season because we're only three games in. We've lost one game. It's not a big deal right now. You start looking at this <laughs> tough road stretch that starts this week where we go to Death Valley. We go to Dallas and play AM. We go on the road to Ole Miss. We go on the road to Alabama. That's not an easy stretch by any means. And we're going to have to be able to give KJ some time or he's going to be hurt. Sam Pittman also mentioned in a press conference this week where same thing we heard him say a lot last year, well, KJ was banged up. At what point do you does that not become a valid reason to use anymore if he's banged up? We know Jacoby Criswell is extremely talented, but him in the game, if KJ is really banged up enough to really affect his type of play. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. If it's if it's to the point where you're 
missing throws. I mean, I think you got to throw Jacoby out there. He's proved that he at least can compete um, and can throw the ball well. Um, I don't know how that would translate over to a, a tougher game like BYU or LSU, something of that nature. I don't know. But you at least got to give the guy a chance if, you're, if your number one guy isn't fully healthy to the level that it's hindering his play. Um, you obviously, guys play banged up all the time. It's football. You're going to have that. But if it's to the level that it's hindering him, his ability to throw or his ability to plant or something like that is his feet. So it's, he's not able to get as much on the ball as he normally is until you see him short arm and throws. I mean, there's there's some signs there that, you know, you might need to, to take him out for a week or two and just let him get healthy and then try to win the games later in the season, whatever the case may be. So I, I do trust Sam Pittman to make the right decisions on all these issues. Um I know there's a lot of talk going around on on kind of questioning his decision-making ability on certain items, but I trust him so far. I don't think we're in panic mode yet at all. Yeah, I think it's just this game caught everybody by surprise on a game that we honestly ran it all over them and had a lot of success against them last year at their home field. And so coming back to Fable, it's like, oh, well, that should be another easy win for us. I still think it's like you said, Sam Pittman's got to step up and, you know, he he's the, he's the head man, you know, some of those things he's got to make decisions on, you know, maybe it's one of those things where he is an offensive line coach. Maybe he spends some more time with that position group than normal. You know, I know as a head coach, you can't be with all the position groups at all at one time, but when the position group that you've been known to be an expert in have a ton of success, is struggling, maybe that's when you either start being a little bit more hands-on with that position group or start evaluating that position group's coach. So, I mean. I, I mean, I hate to say this, but maybe some of the players in there too. I mean, I, I don't want to brag on them too bad, but there was some definite issues from a penalty standpoint in this game. I think we had over 130 yards of penalties, and uh, like six of those penalties came from one player on the offensive line. So that's that's kind of a rough rough look also. Um, and if you can't figure some of those things out, I mean, yeah, he may be a little bit more talented than one of your guys on the bench, but if he's not more disciplined, then it's it's no it's no good. You know what I mean? So got to figure those things out, too. Yeah, that's very true. So as we wrap up here, we'll cover some SEC week three results as LSU had their first conference game of the season, beating Mississippi State 41 to 14. Missouri upsets Kansas State 30 to 27. And if you didn't get to see this game, this it was, was awesome. an intense game where Missouri quite literally walks it off with a 61-yard field goal. Yes, I said 61. That is a school record for them. Um, you know, they walked it off. You know, maybe Missouri is not as bad as they have been in the past. You know, they got a ranked win. We'll see what happens when we get to SEC play. You know, who knows? And then you have Georgia beating South Carolina 24 to 14. Closer game than you would think. Georgia isn't looking the best this season so far. I think it, a lot of that goes back to their struggling with their quarterback play, which has been the story around the league. And that's why this next score, Alabama beat South Florida 17 to 3. Only 17 to 3. Um, Coach Saban. Serious quarterback issues. Yeah, serious 100%. issues with quarterback. You saw Jalen Miro get benched. Tyler Buckner got the start in this one. Did not look great at all. You know, you played Ty Simpson, another guy on their roster. He didn't look much better or if any better. So, you know, they were able to get the win here. 
But if they don't get something figured out, it's going to be a long season for Alabama, and especially this week where they're only favored by seven against Ole Miss, who you know they have a quarterback. Jackson Dart has been probably one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC this season. So I know they've already named Milrow as the starter again for this team going into Saturday, so we'll have to see what happens there. And then Texas A&M beats UL Monroe 47-3. to the big upset here, Florida beating Tennessee in the swamp, 29 to 16. You know, historically, this has been a game Florida has won, as Tennessee has had not had much luck in the swamp. So this is a game where maybe Florida is not as bad as everybody thinks they are, or did they just, you know, historically they had play good against Tennessee, and that's what happened here. I think it's a little too early to still be able to tell. Auburn beat Sanford 45 to 13. UNLV coach Odom taking over UNLV comes into the SEC and beats Vanderbilt 40 to 37. Ole Miss beats Georgia Tech 48 to 23. And Kentucky beats Akron 35 to 3. So some interesting scores around the league this week. You know, as we're ramping up conference play this week, I think it's, you know, like we mentioned before, I think the West and even the East is wide open this year. So this could be a crazy season for the SEC. And so we'll just have to see how it goes as we progress through the season. With that, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with some more news for Arkansas basketball, soccer, volleyball, softball, baseball, all of it. We'll be back with news on that here in just a bit. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the clutch, I am able to have the best of both worlds. In the Clutch Apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees from yesteryear and beyond. Check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code Variety Sports, you get 10% off everything site-wide. Feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at intheclutch.com. And don't forget to use our code Variety Sports to get 10% off. All right, we are back here and with basketball news, we got a plug here. So go check out Hoops Southbound, where they had me come on, you know, this week to do an Arkansas basketball preview show where, you know, there's a lot of expectations and a lot of great players to watch for this Arkansas basketball team. So go check out that preview show with myself, David, Maddie over there at Hoops Southbound team. And they put out a lot of great content, a lot of great conversation, really good talk about what we could see from Coach Musselman and the squad this year. A lot of things and high expectations for the Hoop Hogs this year. So we'll jump over to soccer where Seth will take us through this and we'll go from there. Yeah, man. So uh, Arkansas took on Tennessee on the 15th and we're able to pull this match out three to one. Um, there's some pretty cool highlights from this match. So I definitely suggest you going on YouTube and watching a few of those. I think Razorback Instagram, the the soccer page posted some of them as well. Um, so B Franklin scored in the 12th minute. Uh, so got started fast again because it's kind of been the MO in the games that we've won. Um, off of a corner kick that was actually taken by Avery Wren. It was head, headed by Anna Potagel. The uh, the goalie for Tennessee batted it back out, and then Franklin was just kind of in the right place at the right time to just send that thing right back in there. It was a really, really cool play. Definitely recommend going and watching that one. Um, Tennessee equalized the match in the 30th minute, and then Bay Franklin put Arkansas back in front a minute and a half later to put us at 2-1. to one. 
And then Sophia Aragon scored Arkansas's final goal off an assist from Emily Hauser at the 72-minute mark to, to finish that one out 3-1. So great to get a win in conference play. Then uh, Arkansas took on Grand Canyon on the 17th, two days later, where we won this match 3-2. Uh, Grand Canyon actually scored first in the 11th minute mark to take an early 1-0 lead. Then we tied up the match and then took the lead with two goals in the final two minutes um, of the first half there. Forward Anna Potagil netted the first goal off a free kick from Emily Hauser, and then Zoe Shepard scored the go-ahead goal with 15 seconds left on the clock from across from Potagil. Uh, GCU tied up the match with 53 seconds to play. Arkansas came back to retake the lead and the win 27 seconds later. So kind of a flurry of things going on in this match. Um, Bella Field had the win goal assisted by B. Franklin and Kyla Delaney. And B. Franklin was voted to the College Soccer News of the Week team and the TDS team of the week. So getting some recognition for her stellar play in these two matches. Arkansas is going to take on number seven, Alabama, at home on September 21st at 630. Um, so got a big matchup, another SEC matchup against one of the top 10 teams in the country. Yeah, this will be a big electric matchup. You know, this is a top 25 matchup as Arkansas is ranked 11. So just right outside that top 10. So, you know, Alabama coming down, you get a win here. I think you might move back in that top 10 spot. So, you know, some exciting things there. You know, good to see this team get back on track after a few losses there and non-conference play. You, you jump in, you know, get a good win against TCU, get a good win against Grand Canyon, and then you take on a tough conference opponent coming to town. You know, I think this is going to be an exciting electric game. And I believe if I saw correctly, this is going to be a whiteout game. So this will be exciting for, you know, Kobe Hill and this Arkansas soccer team. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, exciting things. So we'll jump over to Arkansas volleyball where Arkansas volleyball is rolling here as they reeled off three wins here as they beat Buffalo three matches to zero, St. John's three matches to one. And then also they beat Bryant three matches to zero. And then they will take on South Carolina on September 22nd at 6 p.m. So, you know, the, this team's rolling here, reeled off three good victories while they're in New York. I believe all these teams were in or around that New York area. You know, they come back home, take on South Carolina. So this is, you know, they're, they're having some success there. And then I know it is the fall, but we got some Arkansas softball news as they've got their fall ball schedule and they got kicked off here where they took on McLennan Community College on September 17th, where Arkansas won this game 7-1. to one. Who else gets it started from a hot streak last year? You know, made the exciting announcement she was coming back and just continued where she left off. Rylan Hedgecock had a three-run home run in this game. Transfer Bree Ellis, who, you know, transferred from Auburn, known to have big hits, also added a home run. And Natalia Riho also added a home run in this game as well. So Arkansas finished with 11 hits. Reagan Johnson had three of those 11, and we also pitched six pitchers on the day where, you know, several getting several arms in the circle there with Hannah Kamzin coming out starting this game with two innings, transfer Reese Berlin, two innings, Callie Turner came in for one inning, transfer Morgan Leinart, two innings, Robin Heron, two innings, and Nikki McGaffin, an inning. So, you know, just seeing what we got, letting, letting these girls get out there, you know, stretch their arms out, you know, you know, kind of figuring out what we're going to do with all this talent in this lineup here. So it's very exciting times. They got a few more games throughout this this fall schedule here, and we'll keep you updated on those as we have it. And then you jump over to the other Ar diamond where Arkansas baseball had their fall classic on the September 15th, where the Gray beat the Cardinals 7-2. to 
We'll go through some pitching stats here really quickly. For the gray team, transfer from Texas Tech, Mason Molina got the start for the gray team, pitched one inning, faced three batters, three strikeouts on 20 pitches. Very efficient there. If that's a sign of what's to come this season, I, I think we got a gem there from that transfer portal. <laughs> no doubt. Gabe Geckel came in for two and two-thirds of an inning, two hits, two runs, two walks on 29 pitches. Parker Coyle came in for an inning, had two strikeouts on nine pitches. Christian Fouch for an inning with one strikeout, nine pitches. You have Gage Wood, one inning, one hit, one strikeout on nine pitches. Colin Fisher, one inning, one walk, three strikeouts on 20 pitches. And Stone Hewitt, one inning pitched, one hit, one strikeout, and on 14 pitches. So not a bad outing for these these pitchers on the gray team. You know, really efficient pitching. You know, a lot of striking out there. Um I think that's a good sign as, you know, we lost some guys to the draft this year. You know, what we got coming back, it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, pitching lineup shakes itself out once we get, you know, towards the start of the season here. And then you flip over to the Cardinal team. You have Bright Brady Tiger getting the start in this one where he went one inning, allowing one hit, two runs, one walk, two strikeouts on 24 pitches. Hunter Dietz, one inning pitched, one strikeout on 10 pitches. Ben Bybee, one, one inning pitched, one hit, one run, one strikeout on 13 pitches. Will McIntyre, one inning pitched, one hit, one strikeout on 19 pitches. You got Jack Smith for two-thirds of an inning, one hit, two runs, two walks, two strikeouts on 28 pitches. So a lot of stats in that two-thirds of an inning there. And you got Tate, Tate McGuire for one inning, one strikeout, seven pitches. Jake Faraday, one, one inning for three hits, two runs, one walk. One strikeout on 22 pitches. So I think you've got a lot of talent in this pitching room. You know, it's like we said, it'll be interesting to see how the lineup shakes out, how the rotation shakes out. You know, some of these guys are freshmen. Some of these guys are transfer guys. Some of these are returners that we know what we're, what we're going to get out of them. So it'll be interesting to see what Dave does with the, the, this pitching lineup this season. Then you flip on to the over to the offensive part. We'll highlight just a couple guys for each team here. On the gray team, you had Jack Wagner go two for three and one run. Will Edmondson, two for three, one run and two RBIs. And then for the Cardinals squad, you had Parker Rowling go one for three, one run and one RBI. And Ryder Helfrich, one for two and one run. So, you know, fall ball is getting here. You know, before you know it, January is going to be here. And, you know, baseball is right around the corner from there. So, you know, don't want to fly through football season or basketball season, but, you know, it's always a good time to get back in bomb and get get to the diamond. Yeah, I'm excited, dude. There's a ton of ton of pitchers got a lot of work in this uh, basically scrimmage game. Um, so a lot of good things to see there. I thought Mason Molina really stood out, pitched well. Um, I think everybody was kind of getting thrown in there just to get some reps. So can't take a whole lot out of it. I think a lot of these guys probably didn't even really get lathered up and getting their groove. So can't take too much out of any of these stats, honestly, but it's good to see this many names getting thrown in there, you know, see what kind of talent level you've got from top to bottom. Obviously uh, you've got some, some guys that you know are going to be kind of your, your starters and your, your guys you lean on next year between Brady Tiger at Will McIntyre, I'm sure Gage would to an extent. So some of those guys, you kind of know where they're going to shake out to an extent, but the rest of these guys are the, the question marks. So it's good to see them getting some work and, getting some evaluation in for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. And so then now we'll jump to our preview this week where Arkansas is going down to Death Valley 
to play LSU, you know, this Saturday at 630. So under the lights, primetime on ESPN. Unlike the past three games this, this season, Arkansas starts out not the favorite in this game where LSU is actually favored by 17 and a half with an over under 55 and a half. So Vegas or whoever is expecting a high scoring game and for LSU to win by at least two touchdowns and a field goal. Hopefully that's not the case. You know, hopefully Pittman gets this team ready. You know, they look at the film, they figure out hopefully something with that offensive line and we can come in here and compete. You know, it seems like it never fails. We always play a good game with LSU. Last year was a close game here in Fayetteville. Two years ago, we went down and walked it off in overtime with a kick by Cam Whittle to win the game. So always a good series, always a good battle with LSU. And LSU comes in this game averaging 45.47 points per game. So they're putting up some points. Um, it's one of those things they they – up until last week, didn't play really any conference SEC opponents. They had a loss against Florida State. So you got to really take it for what it's worth there. And they're averaging 537 total yards per game, 344.3 passing, 192.7 rushing, and they're allowing 338.3 yards, 207.7 passing, 130.7 rushing. So that'll be interesting to see. You know, what they can do against our defense, what we do against them. Um, and so really when you start looking at them, you look at key players for LSU. I think the one guy you got to start talking about with is the quarterback for this team, Jaden Daniels, 6'4", 210. On the season, he's 70 for 95, resulting in a 73.7% completion rate for 976 yards, eight touchdowns, one interception. 35 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. So this is definitely a guy that he's got the legs and the mobility to move. You know, he he has thrown for nearly a thousand yards so far and eight touchdowns, one interception, but he's a guy that I think if you can get pressure on him, you know, really step up the competition against him. To me, he hasn't been that the best, the most accurate passer. You know, he has a 73.7% completion rate, whereas I think KJ is averaging about 68. So very similar realms there. And he's got some speed to go along with that. You see 157 yards rushing with two touchdowns. So coming in this game, you know, I think a key focus point when you're game planning here is slowing this guy down. And whether that be getting pressure on the edge, sealing those gaps where he can't break the edge. That's where a lot of his yardage on the ground comes from. He gets outside, hits the edge, and then, you know, picks up, you know, 10, 12 yards for first down. So, you know, when you're looking at this guy, what, what do you think Arkansas needs to do here to have success in this game? Well, I, I think you got to get pressure on him, like you said, for sure. Um, but you don't want to over-pursue. So, I mean, you've seen it in years past where you, you blitz off the edge so hard at somebody, you end up running past and behind them, and then they're able to split through the gap that you just created and, and take off for 10, 15 yards. So, you, you want to be able to pressure him, but you also don't want to lose him because um, he can he can get away from you in a hurry. He's kind of one of those guys. So, that, that would be my, my main thing is be aggressive, but don't be overly aggressive from a defensive line and an edge rusher standpoint. Uh, make sure you kind of keep him in front of you. And if you can make a sack play, great. But if not, if you can just keep him from extending a play um, and letting his receivers get open, you know, make force him to throw something just because the pocket's collapsing around him, you know, don't, don't miss that. That's going to be critical. I think if you start seeing guys kind of over, over pursue and, and, whiff on a, a tackle or something like that in the backfield and then he's got an open lane right or left 
he's going to take advantage of that. So that's going to be the biggest thing to watch for. I think our coverage will be okay. I don't. I'm not going to say they're just going to be phenomenal or anything like that. LSU's got some some decent players at the wide receiver position and tight end, and, but I think our coverage will be better than it was last year. I think we'll we'll have a better opportunity to have some coverage sacks and and things of that nature. Um, so. I really look to see how, how well we can bottle him up and not let him extend plays with his legs, whether it's for him running a play or just being able to get outside the pocket and, and then throw downfield after that. That's going to be one of the biggest things I think is critical for us. Yeah, I agree. And then you jump over there running back. You got Logan Diggs, 6'1", 215. He has 24 carries on the season for 156 yards and one touchdown. So, you know, about an average, you know, really what you're seeing across the league right now, you know, Nothing that blows you out of the water. A guy that, you know, of course, we're going to have to stop him, but nothing that really jumps out, you know, on the page from just a standpoint of extreme talent there. But then you flip over to their top receiver, Malik Neighbors. Six foot, 200 pounds. He has 24 receptions on the season for 393 yards and three touchdowns. This is the guy that you're going to have to lock down. And clearly, Jaden Daniels' favorite target. I expect this to be, you know, a game where you put somebody like, Dwight McClellan on this guy, maybe Jaheim Singletary, somebody that can really lock him down and, you know, make it difficult for him to get open and for Jaden Daniels to get him the ball. Yeah, you got to hit him at the line. <laughs> That's a lot of it where, where you're actually able to slow these guys down off their route. Can't miss um, on some of those, like, jam plays like that where you're trying to slow a guy down off the line. If you do play man coverage, um, if we're playing some zone packages and things of that nature, you just have to have that that mindset that, hey, we've got to look his way maybe a little bit more than we normally would at other receivers. Maybe you shift a couple steps that direction. Um, you don't want to cheat yourself on other plays, but you got to definitely circle him in the in the defensive scheming standpoint. So I, I'm curious to see how we approach covering him. I think he's the best receiver we've, we've faced so far this year. Um, just from a stat standpoint, and then the guy who's thrown him the ball is – probably one of the better quarterbacks out there. So they've definitely got the potential to to hit us for some big plays. So I, I'm curious to see how uh, we address that, how we kind of tackle that task. Um, it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be any one person that's just going to be able to lock him down. I think you're going to have to kind of have a team approach, um, shift some things around, maybe hide some coverages, uh, try to trick Jaden a little bit, something like that. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And so, you know, those are some guys we want to watch for LSU. You know, this is going to be, like I said, it's always a good game between these two teams. You know, it's something that you really never know how it's going to go, no matter, in a sense, you look a few years ago, how bad Arkansas was. They were always still in this game. There's something about this matchup, this rivalry game. To me, our true rivalry game of the year has been shifted to the beginning of the season. So be interested to see if we can open up SEC play with a big win in Death Valley at night. You know, part of that is going to be, do we have this guy back, Rocket Sanders? He is questionable for this game. Pittman said right now it's too early to tell. So I, I feel like that's a semi-good sign that we're not just completely ruling him out right now. You know, there's a clip out on Twitter X today where – he, you saw him in practice doing some light work. He did have a compression sleeve on that left leg, you know, the, the, the knee that he was dealing with that swelling on. So, you know, it'll be interested to see how he progresses throughout the week. Is he ready to go or is he still kind of nursing somewhat of an injury? I, like I said, last week, I believe I did 
is I hope this doesn't turn into a Nick Smith situation where you're like, okay, we just got to give him a, a few games to get back. And it's something more serious than we really thought it would be. So, you know, I think there's a few things that Arkansas got sorrows has to sure up to be able to have success in this game. I think that starts with, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we've got to sure up this offensive line. We've got to keep KJ upright and not running for his life and some pressure off him where he can make those throws. Could we have the talent at wide receiver for him to be able for us to have success? You know, you've got Armstrong, you've got Hosh, you've got Isaac Tesla, you know, maybe we throw Satania in there. He works in with them this week. You know, I think you got to figure out something. And I think that starts with giving KJ time to throw and find his targets. And then on top of that, you know, we've, we've got to, it, whether it's rocket or not, we've got to get the running game going and not just one big play. And then the rest of the game, not great averages. We've got to get the push. We've got to hit our blocks. We've got to actually bully up the guys that are on the line there, you know, on the defensive line. So, you know, I, I think there is a lot of intrigue in this game. And for me, I want to see, you know, some corrections, Sam Pittman come out, address what we struggled with last week. And, you know, this could be one heck of a game. Yeah, it really could be. Uh, I'll tell you what, it'll make that BYU loss not taste so bad if you can squeak out a win against LSU and pull off the upset there. Uh, they're, they're a heavy favorite in this one just off of the, what they've done the last two weeks. I mean, they they thrashed Mississippi State, just frankly. That was a beatdown of a game, and they looked great. Um, obviously, the Florida State game, they didn't look as well. Granted, that was first game of the year. Everybody's, you know, fighting the jitters and kind of working those kinks out. So I think at this point in the season – you know where your issues are and you try to scheme around your issues and towards your strengths. So we'll kind of see how both teams are able to achieve that. Um, I think we've got a shot at this game. I think we've got a shot at winning just about any game on our schedule, but to your point, we've got to get better in some areas. Um, Even if it's not on every play, if you can at least run block well on half the plays, you know, you're going to have more success than we've been seeing in these last couple of games, I mean, I, I truly, I really only saw good run blocking on maybe a quarter of the plays at most in, in that BYU game. It just seemed like guy was, guys were getting hit in the backfield more often than not. Um, we were making plays out of nothing where we could, but it was just – it was harder sledding than it should have been. So, got to make some improvements there. Um, however, that needs to be done, whether it's you run less, I, I, you you run the ball off a pass game kind of situation, like let your pass game open up first to try to get guys out of the box. I don't know. Um, I just hope we can come out in this game and have some success early, try to make it a little bit easier and just help our defense not be so gassed late in the game because that's going to be another critical factor is who who has got the most depth when it comes to that fourth quarter, who's, who's the freshest by then and all that kind of stuff. So, We've got a shot this game, we really do, um, but it's going to take the ball going our way a few times, and it's going to take us improving in some areas for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so with that, that wraps up our preview for this week's game versus LSU. Turn it, tune in 6.30 ESPN, primetime under the lights, Death Valley, always a good game. You know, get ready for some hopefully exciting Arkansas ball where we can – possibly go down there and still win, like Seth said. So this is going to be some exciting football. So get ready for it. And so as we get ready to wrap up here, we've got an exciting Hog Talk segment this week. Haven't had one in a little bit, but we've got a great guest coming on this week. He played Arkansas from 2013 to 2016. In those years was a key anchor for this Arkansas defense. You know, hometown kid, home state kid from right here in Fayetteville. 
played a few years in the pros. He, he was with teams such as the Patriots, the Jags. We're getting ready to welcome to this week's episode of Hog Talk, former Arkansas linebacker Brooks Ellis. All right, we're excited to welcome to this week's episode of the Hog Talk, former Arkansas linebacker Brooks Ellis. So let's start with you, Brooks. How's life? What are you up to? You know, let us know what's going on. Life is good, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is, uh, this is, you know, it's, it's fun to, to talk hog ball and uh, talk life. So I appreciate it. Things are good. I, I got back from DC this past May. I was in, uh, I was at Georgetown for a year getting a master's degree. I uh, got back to Fayetteville, started doing some, some private football lessons and that's blossomed into doing that pretty much full time now. Um, I got into medical school in February, decided to defer. So I'm doing this private coaching thing in the meantime, and I'll be going to med school next year down in Little Rock. So I'm enjoying it. It's been fun to be back and watch the hogs and uh, just kind of, you know, coach these these young young bucks up and uh, try to get them right. So it's been fun. I'm enjoying life right now. Yeah. So, you know, you, said, you mentioned going to med school. Is there any specific focus you want to focus on? Anything like that? Yeah, so I've I'm I'm like a big uh, natural holistic guy. Um, I went to I got my master's in integrative medicine, so that's like um, all the different therapies outside of surgery and pharmaceuticals, and how you can use those to improve the healthcare system. Um, so my goal is to go into sports medicine and utilize an integrative holistic approach. Um, there's something called functional medicine, which treats the, the root cause of disease. And so I want to get a sports medicine fellowship and then a functional medicine fellowship on top of that, the top of that, um, which it'll take a little bit of time, but it's what I want to do. So it'll be worth it. Hey man, nothing worth doing is ever easy. You know what they say? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, that's, that's really cool to hear, man. It's, it's always good to see uh, former players kind of taking taking different approaches in life and, and pursuing further um, education after college things of that nature so that's that's really good to see and wish you nothing but the best in that man that's that's a big undertaking so good luck in all that you're one of those guys that I think can accomplish it for sure thank you thank you appreciate it yeah so that that's awesome so now we'll, let's take a step back look down memory lane and walk us through you know your recruiting process what was that like and for you you know being a home state kid from Fayetteville High yeah um I think I was pretty clueless back in the recruiting when I was getting recruited I was just like you know I was getting letters from Ole Miss and different schools and Vanderbilt and I was just kind of going with the flow so it was like just one week after another you keep playing well and you keep getting letters and it's just kind of like started you know, snowballing and eventually Arkansas hopped on board and, you know, we had, we had a good crew of favor with Austin and Alex and a lot of other guys too, but those are the, the two that um, I ended up playing with in college. Um, but it's just kind of, you just kind of go with the flow and coaches come watch you play and you try to do the best you can. And coach Patton would kind of like uh, in, in, in spring ball specifically, he would, st we had Stanford come, come watch and, uh, he set up a play where he, I'm pretty sure he purposely, purposefully like designed for me to get the interception. And of course, freaking dropped it. It was just like, it was right in my hands. I dropped this just, oh my God, immaculate ball right to me. And uh, unfortunately, I, I, that's, I'm not sure if that's the reason I didn't get the offer, but you know, <laughs> it certainly didn't help. 
Um, but it was it was fun because I, I mean I, I got to go I got to visit a bunch of different schools not on official visits but but unofficial and went to Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State and uh, you know Notre Dame came to visit and so just getting all this attention from all these different schools is really really cool. Uh, I was young didn't really know what that meant I was just like oh this is this is sick like I guess. You know, it'd be cool to go here, go, cool to go here. So you're just kind of going with the flow and enjoying every step of the way. Uh, I was lucky to have a really good program in Arkansas uh, recruit me um, and also have two of my my best friends come along with me. Uh, so we were able to, to do that. Uh, it was kind of a crazy time to commit to Arkansas, though, because obviously we had Bobby Petrino's deal. Um uh, and then John L. Smith was it was a crazy year. Then we got Bielema, who came in and you know wanted us to be the Bill Cows of the of the recruiting class. And so we we stayed committed. But you know and we got it. We ended up getting a, an incredible class and Alex Collins and Denver Kirkland and Hunter Henry and you know a whole bunch of different names. Marshall Spate. Like it was it was a pretty crazy class. Uh, but you know when we when being Austin. And Alex committed. We committed to the program. We knew we wanted to play together. We had, I mean, we won two state championships. You know, we were best friends. Like it was really hard to separate from like playing at home. I had my whole family here. My granddad played for the Hogs. Um, and then my two best friends were going to play there at the same time. Like that's, that's a pretty, you know, I, I, it's a pretty hard deal to turn down, you know? So like I, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it was, it, it was just a crazy experience. And I, looking back, you know, I was offered by some pretty incredible programs like Notre Dame and Vanderbilt, and Yale, like, you know, a uh, more academically focused Brooks probably would have taken, taken those schools, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm glad I'm, I'm happy with this decision I made. I mean, I, you know, playing in the SEC, there's, there's nothing you can, there's no competition. Like you're playing against Alabama and Tennessee and LSU and all these Florida, like we're playing, we're playing against some incredible schools. And so there's, there's really no competition for play, for playing in the sec and with your best friends and with, you know, Arkansas is a great academic program as well. Uh, it, I mean, obviously it's, it's no Ivy league, but it's, it's in the sec. So you're, you're getting really a really good education as well. So, the, and that was important to me. So, um, you know, it, it was just re recruiting is a weird time. You're just kind of you know, you're young. I'm 18 years old, and you're just kind of like, what the what the heck is happening? Um, and you're just you're getting all this attention, so it's kind of crazy. But uh, it was it was fun, and I ended up. I, I think I picked the right decision with or made the right decision with Arkansas. Yeah, well, we're not going to argue that one at all. We loved watching <laughs> you play back in the day, man. Yeah. So. Uh, Kind of, you spoke on a little bit, you know, Coach Bielma coming in. That was the year you guys committed, came in. What was it like playing for Coach Bielma? And then obviously Pittman was his O-line coach at the time. Did you have a lot of interaction with Pittman at all, being a defensive player? Or what was what was that like playing for both of those guys? I mean, we were always going. So I'll start with the, the Bielema question. It was, it was, he was a, he was a tough coach to play for. I mean, he, he required a lot. He really made you work in fall camp. And, um, uh, you know, he was, 
he kind of had a, a chill side, but most of the time he was very tough and required a lot of, out of you. And that, that made his players better. Um, so it was just always, we were I mean, always working. We had the best, I felt like we had the best trade coach in the, in the country and coach Herbert, who's now at Michigan, who's like one of the highest paid trade coaches in the country. I think he's probably, he's probably the highest paid strength coach at strength coach at this point. But yeah, we had a lot of interactions with Sam Pittman too. So our, 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 on our official visit, it was him and coach Jim Cheney who were like, he would, they were the, the class clowns. Like they were cracking jokes. Like they honestly, that, that made me so much more committed to Arkansas was, was seeing them. Like they were just so cool and, like they were, I mean, it was just, it made the experience so much fun. And uh, you just believed in what, like they, they, they could crack jokes, but they could also talk about football side of it immediately right afterwards. And you're, you're getting into the thick of it and they, they, you know, they know what they're talking about. So having them on the official, like solidified my interest in Arkansas. Like it was, it was really cool to see him. And when we finally got to campus and we got to training camp, Sam Pittman was, you know, we, we competed every single day. Like it was during inside drill, you know, we, we were, we were going head to head uh, offensive line against the linebackers of the D line. So it was, it was a constant battle and he would always walk up to me before meetings, before team meetings and say like, you know, it, it, like just, just uh, getting on to me about like missing blocks or avoiding the fullbacks or like making his O lineman look bad or maybe he got me one day like and that happened way too often but uh, you know maybe he got me and he would like you know dog on me about that so he was always I mean I, I remember one time uh, I so I, I'm not a fullback I don't like fitting fullbacks I don't like hitting fullbacks head on I like avoiding blockers and going to make the tackle that's my specialty so an inside drill, which is like, it's just the front seven on defense and then the O-line and the fullbacks and running backs and tight ends. So it's just the box, right? It's just, we're just running. It's a, it's a straight, it's a physicality, toughness drill. There's so many times he would send Kiero Small right down the middle to fit me up. And I would, I would just, I would do my best not to look like a wimp and like kind of fit him up, but also I would like kind of duck, duck my shoulders and dip around him and go make the play. And he would, he would, he, I remember him coming up to me one meeting and he was like, Hey, you don't like, you don't like fullbacks, do you? And he was just like, he was like trying to get under my skin. I was like, nah, they're fine. I was, they're fine. I like, I don't mind them. So like, bring them on coach. Give me, give me some more. So he's always trying to find ways to get under your skin, like to, to mess with you. But you know, he, he wants the best for you. He's trying to make the, the make you the, the best player that he can. So, um, you know, he's he's a fun coach to be around, but he's also he's also tough and, and makes you better. So it was fun. Yeah, that's cool perspective that's to cool hear perspective. things like that, and you know that nature. And you know, Kiero Small. You know, I I think you know it fits him that he he he's one of the. I think he's right up there. You know, being a really good strength and conditioning coach as well you know i think he fell into that role you know especially with his style of play at arkansas like you mentioned you know hard-nosed fullback you know the, the the bowling ball in a sense so you know i think it's fitting to see him as a strength and conditioning coach today yeah yeah for sure him and tank right they they were the coaches 
when I was there, I mean, that that's a perfect fit. Like he's, he's built for the weight room. He would bully ball right there. No doubt about it. I remember a lot of his plays, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, he was a wrecker. I mean, it was, he was a great player. Yeah. So, so now looking at it, looking back, you know, playing from 13 and 16 with Arkansas, is there one specific thing you'd say was your favorite game or your favorite memory as a Razorback? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I would, there's so many, like the, the LSU game where the, the fans rushed the field. That was like our first SEC win. Like that was huge. Um, it was so cold that night. I was actually there for that game. Yeah. Brutal. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine it for a fan, for the fans, but for us, it was, you know, we're running around. So it's a little bit better. Um, that game was fun. Uh, TCU was great. I love, I mean, you know, you can't meet a pick six. I was, you know, that's probably my favorite play, obviously. <laughs> uh, TCU was great. Let's sit like Florida at home. That was awesome. That was a great game. We had the, we had the anthracite jerseys. That was really fun. Uh, Tennessee at their place. They took the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Place went nuts. You couldn't like. I'm pretty sure I lost some hearing that that on that moment. But then we come back and win the game. Like that was pretty incredible. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good memories. Even even going to Alabama. Like you, you like I always say Alabama is my favorite place to play because it's it's like a pro atmosphere. They got TVs in all four corners. They got the LED lights. The the fans are in sync with their you know, pom pom singing "Sweet Home Alabama" or whatever it is. Um, like it's 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 just a crazy atmosphere, and it's it's just so fun to play in. And even though even though we lost both both times we went there, we almost got them the, the, in 2015 until the fourth quarter, and then they just you know let it loose, um, took the top off of us, and so. But I, I, honestly, I I had a pretty decent game that game, so I'll, I'll take it. Um, but yeah, game games like that, you're just playing a bit against the best players, best teams, best coaches, best fan bases, and you know they're going crazy, and it's just an electric atmosphere that you can never forget. You know, it's uh, it's hard to replicate. Yeah, I think uh, that 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 Ole Miss game that was right after that LSU game was another really fun one. Another yeah, shutout, shutout game. Oh, that was, that was, big. It was yep. raining. It was crazy. That was another crazy game. A couple of I, I remember. I think it was Rohan Gaines had that hundred yard. Pick six in that game. I think that was Rohan yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. That was great. What a game. Yeah, some good memories for sure. It's always fun watching that whole the whole crew of you guys, man. That was some some of my favorite memories as a hog fan. Yeah. I was about to say, I remember yeah. that LSU game because that was, you know, I was I believe first or second row there in the student section. So, you know, whenever we rushed the field, that was that that was pretty crazy. I, I will say, you know, that exciting time, like you said, first SEC win. You know, for Coach Bielema and you guys, uh, you know, a lot of fun times. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun times, a lot of not so fun times. We had we had the perfect mix, I think. Builds character, you know what I mean. Well, we'll uh, kind of jump out of college a little bit. Can you uh, can you walk us through a little bit of your time as a pro with the the Patriots and the Jags? Yeah, so I um, went undrafted in 2017. Um, was picked up had a couple different interests or teams that were interested and then eventually went to the, the Patriots, um, stayed with them until training camp and 
it was kind of a crazy time. Like almost immediately you were just in a ball of stress, like just severe stress, more stress than I've ever experienced in my life. Like, like the, uh, the rookie mini camp, they had like 60 tryout players come in. So you're not, you're competing with those guys. I mean, you, you kind of have a solidified spot, but you're, you're always your job. You just feel like your job is never secure. So it's a good thing, but also it's like, an extra level of, of stress that you have to deal with. Um, and then it was just a grind. Like you're grinding with a team that just won the Super Bowl. Uh, they just beat, I think they beat Atlanta. And that crazy game where Edelman had, they were down 28-3. So uh, a lot of like high expectations, this team, like a lot of veterans that expected a lot out of you. So it was, you know, you're walking into to greatness and you have to, you have to show up every single day and, put your best foot forward or else you're going to get you're going to get uh replaced because throughout the throughout the summer throughout the training camp like they had tryouts pretty much like every single like at least once a week looking to to kind of scrape the bottom of the pile like to to keep churning that the bottom of the barrel you know and so uh it's it's very stressful but at the same time it was it was just kind of surreal like you're walking around with with some of the grades and you're just like wow this is this is pretty crazy and there's no time to like to ooh and awe about like who you're playing with. It's like, it's go time. Like you, it's a full-time job. You're there to work. You're there to, to, to get better. Uh, unfortunately I didn't have, you know, a great training camp. I was cut after training camp and uh, went back home, spent some time just training, went back to the weight room. And had a couple of different tryouts. And then eventually Thanksgiving of 2017, I got picked up or I was, I had a tryout with the Jaguars and was picked up by them. Um, luckily they were doing really well that year and they went to the AFC championship. So that was pretty sick. They actually played the Patriots. So it was a little, I was so, I was so close to going to the Super Bowl. Oh my God. I was so pissed. And the Patriots beat us. And I had a couple of buddies that were, that were still on the team I was like, I was pretty salty. Like I, I did text him congratulations. I was, I was so like, I was just a little upset. <laughs> I was upset because they got to go and I didn't, but, uh, but that was, it was, it was a super cool process. Like they were, they had like five, five or six pro bowlers that year on the, on the defensive side. So being able to be able to, being able to play with uh, like Miles Jack and Calais Campbell and Telvin, Telvin Smith and we had Jalen Ramsey. Oh my God. I, allergies are killing me right now um just guys like that like they were incredible players still are and just to learn from them was was pretty crazy so we also had the boat Blake Bortles uh you know best of all time <laughs> um and uh, you know he's yeah yeah, yeah. I'm glad y'all y'all caught that um but it, it, it was crazy so I I mean, same thing. You walk in and it's a full-time job. You're, you're ready to go. I was, I was on the practice squad. So you're just servicing, you're just being as, as good of a, a scout team player as you possibly can. And uh, did that for the rest of the year, the off season, I, I, I wanted to find something that like gave me an extra edge. So I changed my diet a little bit. I changed my workout plan. Um, and I got really, I got really lean. I lost a lot of body fat, felt really good. Mentally, I was super clear. 
and was doing really well throughout the spring ball summer at training camp but like early on in tra training camp i suffered a concussion and that's what took me out and that's what i mean i, I did play a preseason game that year so i mean if you don't have film it's it's really hard to to continue playing so uh unfortunately i was i was cut and um you know that that was the end of my career but it was it was a great time it was a great experience uh, unfortunately the concussion was not the way that anyone expects to leave and nobody really tells you that the, it's the end of the road but uh but that was it and i i miss it to be honest i i, I miss it i wish i could go back but uh i'm grateful for the experience i mean it was i mean not, not many people get to say they say they did that and i feel like even though I feel like I, I did leave some on the table, I feel like I did make the most of it, and I did I did the best I could with what I had. Uh, so it was it was a great time, and I I wouldn't trade it for the world. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's a really cool story to hear, and glad you kind of made it out the other side at least fairly healthy. You know, you know, a lot of guys if they play a few years in the league, they come out with long lasting knee injuries, things of that nature. So yeah, good to good to have you fully healthy, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be healthy. I was about to say, you yeah, got that, that concussion deal is no, nothing to play with. You know, I think one of the, the thing to look at, you know, especially from last season, you look at Tua with the Dolphins last year, that was a crazy scenario with him and that concussion issue he had. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, I think the concussion issue is severely underplayed. Uh, I think it's a lot worse than people think. It needs to, it needs to get more attention because – you know, even even though people aren't sidelined from a concussion, they're still getting micro hits to their head that are causing downstream issues later on. I mean, it can take up to seven years to fully feel the effects of a concussion. And, you know, obviously the NFL is a business. And so, you know, they, they want to make as much, as much money as they possibly can. Uh, and I don't want to go down that rabbit, rabbit hole, but... You know, I, I think that uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that I kind of already did, but I, I, let, let's get back out of it. So I think the like players, trainers, coaches really need to take pay more attention to, to concussions because uh, I think you know what what matters most in this world is our is our attention and is our is our mind. Like it's it's mind, body, spirit. So mind it plays an equal role in that in that regard. And if we don't have our mind, especially, you know, when we're like 50 years old and we, we have kids and we can't even play with them or we don't remember them or we have early onset dementia or whatever it is. And I, I'm not saying I'm going to have that because I'm putting, I'm doing the things I need to, to, to fix my health, to, to make sure my mind is clear. But the longer you play, the longer, the more chance you're going to get that you're, uh, you know, that, that you have, brain mind mind issues so I, I think it's a, a serious issue that we need to take take uh more pay more attention to i think we could all agree with that for sure yeah agreed and so as we kind of start to wrap up here you know this this may be the fun part of the questions here so what do you think of this arkansas team so far this season anything specific standing out to you from you know maybe last year to this year or, or you know the scheming anything like that well, I, I like, I think the defense is playing a lot better. I think they're playing faster. I think it's, you know, even though they're not perfect, but 
no defense is perfect. And I think they've improved significantly from last year. And it's fun to see those guys fly around. We got some playmakers on the D line. We got some playmakers on the, in the backfield. And, and I, I think we're much more disciplined than we were last year and, and uh, able to make more plays. So that's, that's exciting to see. Um, you know, I, I was, I'm a little worried about the O-line. I think everybody is. Um, I want to see, I, I just want to see more urgency, more intensity, more passion out there. You know, I, I think there's a, a group of guys on the team that are not showing the urgency or the, the passion that they used to show. And I think that's what we need at this point. Like we, we can't be waiting around for a big play to happen to have that excitement. You have to have it regardless of what's happening in the game. And especially when we're not doing well, we we have to have somebody step up and take control and, and be a leader out there. And I, I just don't see that happening. We're making a lot of mistakes. I feel like we're making a lot of uh, mental mistakes. And um, it's, it's, you know, in, in bad situations, in situations in which we cannot make mistakes. And so, you know, I think that, you know, we, we have to, we have to fix those. It, it, like, you know, I, I believe wholeheartedly in Sam Pittman. I think, you know, he'll do the right thing. Um, I think he's putting the right people in the right position and maybe we could, you know, sitting back like this, you know, being armchair experts, like it's easy to say oh, we should be doing this or this or this, but there's, there's, you know, they, they have a lot of guys looking at the film and, you know, they're not going to put somebody in there or not put somebody in there that they don't think can help them win the, win the game. So uh, I believe, I believe in them. I, I, I think he's a, I think he's a great coach. He's, I think he's a great leader of men. And, uh, you know, we, we've got some issues to clean up, but I think we're going to get it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a gauntlet coming up and we got, we got to have that passion. I think that's the biggest key. You know, if we don't have, if we don't go into Death Valley with the passion that we know we're going to win or we know we can win, then we're not, it's never going to work. So uh, we got to have some leaders step up and, and take control. I think that's a, a really good take on on the situation. We we talked about it a little bit earlier in this episode and in some previous episodes too, after week one and two, um, just on some of the things that we kind of see that we're struggling. Obviously, the offensive line is is probably the main the main area where obviously a lot of the dominoes fall after that one. If you have some issues, you're not going to be able to run the ball as well. KJ is getting pressured a little bit more than maybe you should be. Um, thought the pass blocking held up pretty well in the first two games, but got exposed a little bit against BYU. So a lot of things to shore up there. But I, I really appreciate your take on um, the, the way the coaches are, are able to ready the, the guys up and, and how you're looking to see one of those guys maybe step them, kind of be that leader on the field and bring that intensity even when the moments aren't intense. I think that's something that we haven't mentioned maybe as much as we should have just from fans' perspective. You know, who's going to be that guy that, that steps up and kind of can help lead just the offensive line alone? I mean, you're seeing guys step up on defense. Um, Chris uh, Chris Paul's obviously a great linebacker that's kind of leading the defense out there. I think Jaheim Thomas has done a great job. And then you got uh, Landon Jackson, who's kind of a, a good leader as well. But on the offensive line side, I think, I mean, I think everybody's looking at uh, Bo Lemmer to – kind of be that that next Frank Ragnow kind of top center that that leads everybody. I just don't think we've seen that quite yet. I'm hoping somebody can kind of step up and fill that role that you're you're kind of mentioning there. That's a, that's a great take. Yeah. Yeah, it's important you got to have that you got to have that vocal leader and I think that's something that I wish I would have done better when I was there. I was more of just like a hard work goes to the you know 
keep your head down and just work hard and everybody's going to follow you, but you have to, you have to be vocal. You have to let people know, you have to express yourself and let people know that, you know, it's it to, to win in this league requires your best effort on every single play, extreme focus and coordination between all 11 guys. And if you're not coordinated, if you're not working together, and if you don't trust one another, you're never going to win. Right. And so you, someone has to step up and tell people, Hey, this is, this is real. Like the season's happening right now. Someone's like, we got, we got to start playing together. We got to like, we, we can't let this season go by and we just, you know, you know, barely, barely, barely scratch the surface of what we, of our potential of what we were capable of. Right. We have a lot of potential on this, on this team. I've heard countless times that this is probably one of the most talented teams that we've had in the past X amount of years. So we need to make the most of it. Someone's got to step up and, and, and expect more out of this team. And uh, I think it can happen. We just got to have that guy that does it. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think one big thing that a lot of people are, are kind of almost putting a microscope on this season is, especially on that offensive side of the ball, is you've got Dan Nino's coming back in, was there when you were there with Coach Bielma, you know, left, had a couple stops in between, but is now back for the Hogs. So, you know, what do you think about the return of Dan Enos and what he could do with KJ in this offense? Yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I love Dan Enos. I thought he did great for us when it, when he was here back in 20, whatever that was, 2013 to 16. He wasn't here the whole time, but he was there for a lot of the time. Oh, <clears throat> I think something hasn't, Something hasn't clicked yet. Something's not right between him and KJ or him and the offense, or maybe there's they're still trying to find their groove. And you know, I, I think that I think they need to find it. <laughs> let's let's find it soon <laughs> enough, right? Let's 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 get on it. Let's do something to try to find that groove. Um but I, I believe in them. I I I don't know. I'm not a big X's and X's and O's guys. Like I I don't look at you know, they should be doing this player, this, that player, whatever, whatever. I'm more of like, what's their energy? What's their, what's their attitude looking like? What's, what's the ethos of of the team looking like? And it just doesn't seem like we have that, that leader that's stepping up and saying, Hey, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to get this first down right now. Like on first two, twice on fourth down last week, we were in shotgun and maybe that's not the right play, but it doesn't matter what the play, what play is called. Go get the first down. We got to have that mindset. Like we're going to get this no matter what. And I didn't see that out of the, out of the players. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers, but someone's got to step up. Even the coach has got to step up and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is not the the Razorback team that that people are used to. And this is not the Razorback team that's going to continue playing because we, we expect a lot more out of the, out of our team than this, like we, we've got to get it going. And so someone's got to step up, but I keep saying that, but, uh, I, I think they'll get it. I think they'll find their they'll they'll find their groove and, and find something that that works for for the whole team to stay coordinated to to play together and to 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 get something going. Yeah, that, that's true. So you know, wrapping up here, any score predictions, any type of predictions for this weekend down in LSU and Death Valley? I'm gonna manifest some some positive energy. Let's go. Uh, let's go 30, 35, 34, Arkansas. We're taking Cam Little's going to have a walk-off kick again. <laughs> yes, sir. It's yes, sir. We can keep it close, dude. I think we, we've got a shot. You just can't let anything get away from you. 
Yeah, got to exactly. not have the mistakes. Okay, you, you, to your point, you know, you, you're looking for that person to to really step up, and I think bring the discipline back that it didn't it didn't seem like we really had against BYU. I mean, you had 13 or 14 penalties for over 130 yards, uh, penalty yards. So that's something that's yeah. got to get cleaned up as well. And and that's kind of your point, the lack of focus, the lack of discipline, and you cannot continue with that type of trend and expect to win in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of distractions nowadays with the NIL, with uh, everything that could happen there. Like, am I jealous that I didn't have it? Yeah. Uh, am I happy for him? Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a lot of distractions and I think they need to realize the number one thing that matters right now is winning, right? You can, you can have, you can make all this money. You can do all these things right in, in college. But if you didn't, if you went three and nine, which we did my, my freshman year, like that stings like that. That's a, that's almost a wasted year. Like you didn't, we didn't do anything. We didn't win any of the games that we should have won. Right. And you don't want, you don't want to have, you don't want to look back on your career and think, Oh, we should have won this game. We should have won that game. Like what could I have done better? And, you know, I went to all these parties and I made all this money and like, I got all these girls, but we didn't win games. Winning games is the only thing that matters as a college athlete. Right. And so if you're focused on other things, which I'm not saying they are, but it's possible. Um, you know, we, we need to refocus and realize that, you know, what matters right now is winning and, and, and leaving a positive legacy uh, for for the hogs or for future hogs and for future generations. Right. Let them know, like when, when I was playing with the hogs, we did it right. Right. So we we played right. We had discipline. We we played hard. We were tough. And that's what people need to know when, when you leave the field, people need to know. That that's a tough team. That's a well-coached team. That's a team that wants to be there. And I don't know if I saw that last week. So we got it. We got to get that going for this week. Goodness, I said it better myself, man. Yeah. So we just want to thank you again for taking time, you know, talk with us, really great conversation, you know, great perspectives on things, you know, and, you know, we wish you best of luck with, you know, your coaching you're doing right now, your, your future with medical school, you know, excited things for you. So, you know, good luck there. And, you know, thanks for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate it. This is fun. Uh, best of luck. Best of luck to y'all too. You know, this is. That's I me. think y'all have a great thing going. So uh, keep it up and uh, keep grinding. Go Hogs. Well, pig, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank yes, you, sir. Thank y'all. Well, that was our Hog Talk segment with Brooks Ellis. So you can go check that out. This will be on YouTube. You know, podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen to it at. You know, great conversation there. Love to hear what he had to say. You know, was one of my favorite players, you know, we were in school at the same time, things of that nature, you know, really good guy, you know, good conversation with him. And so as we getting ready to wrap up here, we got some upcoming events where Arkansas is taking on Tennessee soccer match or no, that they're taking on Alabama this week on Thursday in a ranked top 25 matchup where you've got Alabama number seven, Arkansas at 11. This is going to be a big, exciting game. So if you can get out there and, and get there, be there, and you'll be in for some exciting things. You know, you got football coming up. You've got volleyball coming up versus South Carolina. You know, a lot of good things happening for this. You know, Arkansas thing, Arkansas sports program. You've got men's and women's tennis in the PTT 25K Fayetteville matches. You got Kentucky coming up and swimming and diving on the 22nd at noon. 
as you mentioned, South Carolina volleyball at 6 p.m. on Friday, the 22nd as well. And then we mentioned Saturday, LSU and Death Valley. Arkansas football is taking on the LSU Tigers. On Sunday, the 24th, volleyball will be taking on the Texas A&M Aggies at 3 p.m. And then on that Sunday, women's soccer is right back out on the pitch with a matchup against the Texas A&M Aggies. Again, you know, two Texas A&M schools or teams, two different sports, but, you know, we got them here. So that'll be exciting to see that's on the road. So we'll be – they're coming here. We're going there. So a lot of good things. And so we'll be right back here next week. So don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast and videos at. So thank you for listening to today's episode of Woo Big Weekly, and we'll be right here back next week.